0: This is Bruce. And this is Trav. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your your gaming podcast where if you listen to us, your GM will never see it coming. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Unless, of course, your GM's listening to the podcast. So, you know, we, uh, I would much rather have six players listening to our podcast and one not, and not one GM. But I, I have no control over that. So whatever. We, we're, we're glad to hear all of it because uh, all the tips and tricks that we're doing as, as a follow-up to our first uh, tips and tricks uh, episode uh, is more of the idea of saying let's, you know, l- let's use the system. Let's use um, things that people don't normally think about you know we'll uh, uh you know uh blind them with uh
1: if you can't dazzle them with d- blunt brilliance baffle them with bs yeah
0: yeah yeah that yeah so there's always that uh, so what we're doing is we're following up on our previous episode as i said and we're gonna go through these tips we have and hopefully these are things that you haven't read all over the internet um and if they well uh if you've got ones that we don't mention that you think are really really important then uh, you know come on back come on and do them uh, alright so uh, the uh, the very first one is having to do with armor now some games have just basically a straight up armor system you know you have you know you, you pick chain mail you pick uh, ballistic vest you pick um, leather whatever it might be and says This is your modifier, okay? and if this modifier affects your coordination, dexterity, whatever your system calls it, and therefore makes it harder for you to either avoid uh, damaging effects or cause damaging effects in the case of rolling the hit, well, then you should see if your GM will allow you to use piecemeal armor. Uh, because what you can do is is that you can, uh, and 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 the game already has targeted attacks like uh, Savage World does. Okay, uh, then um, then it doesn't make sense for you to load up your arms and legs with all this heavy armor that causes you all these minuses to like movement. To, you know, to agility, to all those things, because of all the skills that are always going to be based on them. Instead, put all that extra armor right, you know, on the, on the part of the body that has the biggest effect when it gets hit. You know, the torso, the head. Okay, those parts of the body they they do bend, but they don't bend as much. I mean, you you put triple layer armor on your head. And unless it's, like, made out of, like, cast iron and you're, like, carrying a bell on your head, uh, it's usually not going to be that much heavier than standard armor, but you've now almost eliminated the chance of you having any kind of a uh, um, critical hit on your head because of that, you know. Um, Putting the uh, Batman uh, in some of the comics has an armor plate behind the Bat symbol because it's bright re- yellow and it tracks all the weapon fire right at it. And the rest of his body is basically fairly light armor or even like no armor. The original Batman, oh, yeah, he was he's basically had no armor on. He was just wearing a unitard. But he was relying on people not being able to see him well because it was very dark and, uh, and he didn't have a big yellow symbol. He had a black symbol on a, a dark blue outfit. And, um, and, and, and just basically not getting hit. He, he's relied on not getting hit. So, uh, but you know, it makes a big difference, uh, especially if your game system is realistic in any way. Because you know, uh, holding if you have if you add ten fifteen pounds of armor to your arm and you have to hold your arm out on something, it's gonna get, you're gonna get tired faster because of that. Okay, so. Uh, There's a reason why when you look at people wearing armor, especially like World War II, Vietnam, they wore tactical vests. And their arms and their legs were pretty much, you know, not protected. Because they knew that most of the damage was going to come right at their torso or at their heads, and that's where they put the armor. So you should, too. Um, And uh, as I said, you you can double up on the armor where it's important and cut way back because you know, in, like, the Tri-Tac system, uh, your chances of going into, uh, most of the time, you get hit with a high weapon damage, it punches through that part of the body, doesn't even do that much damage to you. And the chances of you actually taking, uh, like, wound shock, becoming disabled, you know, be- even having a heart attack as a result of hitting hit are, like, 10-15% you know, compared to 60 to 40 to 98 being <laughs> shot between the eyes or right on the heart, so you know, put your armor where you need it, and don't wear your armor where it basically slows you down or makes it harder for you to do your attacks.
1: Now on, now on um, for Pathfinder, all of your rules on piecemeal armor would be in Ultimate Combat. They have a system where. If you are having heavier let's say you're picking up, oh, I have a greave here and a vest a chest plate here and gauntlets from here, it'll I I mean I haven't used it personally, but it's there if you want to do it. And this stuff translates back to D twenty. Now, Bruce, you mentioned earlier about um, certain places being easier to hit than others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's also the called shot system where... Now, this one I do use because I have a lot of people who do called shots in my games. Um, Minus two if you're doing a range penalty, a range attack at all. But, I mean, depending on the part of the body, you're, you know, not only is it easier or harder to hit, I mean, like hitting, trying to hit somebody directly in the eye, if you were trying to shoot somebody in the eye, that's like a minus 12. But... If you do it, I mean, you blind them, and possibly if it's like a, what it, what do they call it, a catastrophic critical that critical, you can you know you can drop the person because it basically goes in through the eye. No, yeah, you to, can. Yeah, all it
0: can actually reach the brain yeah, through the eye.
1: Yeah, and if you're like just hitting somebody in the arm, I think maybe the arm might be a minus five, and then a minus seven if it's range. You can do called shots with. Melee attacks, you know, if you're trying to... You know, hit somebody in the hand... To try to, like, kind of disarm them... Mm -hmm. But also, they call in... Where you are... Okay, they have touch AC and target AC... Touch AC, you're not taking armor to account... They tell you... If you are going to do a called shot... You have to add... You have to do the normal armor class... Where it's... You're adding the armor bonus into the armor class... But that means if you make it at that level you're hitting in a soft spot. Like, if you're hitting in the arm, you're hitting at the elbow or at the wrist where you have to have the lighter armor in order to be able to bend the joint. So, yeah, that if you want to do OGL D20 piecemeal armor, it is in ultimate combat. So, just that's where to look for for that. Um, As as I said, as as Bruce said, yeah, your torso is the main area where people are going to go for, then the head. Limbs afterwards. If somebody's going to shoot you in the limb nine times out of ten, it's, I think it's either because they just happen to hit and it wings you or they're trying to disable the limb specifically. Oh, if I shoot him in the arm, he's not going to be able to pick anything up. Or if I shoot him in the leg, it's going to slow him down. If I shoot him in the arm, he can't shoot me. Yeah, yeah. And But if they're nine times out of ten, they're going to hit you
0: head or center mass. So just, it's, yeah. the, it's the easiest shot to well, take. Well, yeah, yeah. Best chance of doing it so, so you basically use their Insecurity against themselves it Says, yes. Oh yeah, you took that shot Center mass, man, great shot Hit me right on the heart I've got five layers of of, of, uh, of Ballistic arm, uh, metal right there <laughs> Knocked me down But I'm fine <laughs> Yeah,
1: and you also mentioned How Batman had the armor plating Directly behind the yellow bat symbol Right And then just otherwise it was You know, a unitard. And you notice how Batman has changed now, even over the past. As far as movies go, and I think even in the comics now, starting with Michael Keaton, it was body armor. They got rid of the. They just. Because, I mean, even, you know, Tim Burton and later Joel Schumacher and Christopher Nolan and all that, they're like, yeah, this guy goes through hails of bullets. Why isn't he wearing body armor? He can't be that lucky. No, he's not going to be that. Oh, they'll never hit me. No, they took it in now where he's got armor all over.
0: (laughs) Well, see, that's the thing is that Batman or earlier wouldn't have done that way. He never would have gone up against an entire group of people like that. Well, yeah, you know, he would have either gone in with the Batmobile, with the Batmobile firing right and left while he's in the nice armored cockpit. Yeah, or he would have done. He would have, one at a time, he would have, like, snuck up on them. He would have taken each of them out individually where they wouldn't... He wouldn't have had to worry about a hail of gunfire. That's one reason why he uses smoke grenades so much. Is that they, they, you know, you fire... you, You can fire randomly, but you're more likely to hit... You're more likely to help him than to hurt him if you do that.
1: Oh, no, one of my... And I'm not a huge fan of Christian Bale's Batman... But in the first Batman Begins, where he's there taking them all out at the docks, you know, in between all the big shipping containers, where you mentioned taking them out one at a time, that was a great scene because he was screwing with their minds left, right, and center. And you saw how um, Tom Wilkinson's character, Carmine, I think it was, the mob boss, Uh he was defecating bricks because he just didn't know what was going on. His entire gang was getting taken out by one guy in body armor. So yeah, it, it, tactics a lot of times was what is what saves Batman, and you know that's where we get the everything. Well, how can he win? Because he's Batman, you know. Just,
0: but yeah, he he still now Batman wins because Batman has a plan, and Batman stays to the plan. Yes, and now I'm reminded of the
1: Justice <laughs> League thing where, yeah, your genius plan is dying. You really are crazy. You're the one that came here with a pitchfork. Yeah. <laughs> where Aquaman's there riding on the Batmobile, yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Sure, sure. But no. Well, uh, and, but again, they, that in that situation, you know, they, they it's it, they want the they want the visual. They want Batman on screen. They want Batman in the middle of the firefight when Batman really should not be in the middle of any firefight. You know, he terrorizes people because they don't know where he is because he's taking them out one by one and and, and they have and they they don't see him to shoot at him. Is all of a sudden the guy next to you is gone because he's basically hooked them and yanked them up in you know into the cloud somewhere with one of his uh, bat lifts. You know.
1: Oh no! I now I'm thinking of probably one of the best fight scenes to come out of the past ten years, and I think it rivals with the knife fight in Winter Soldier, the warehouse fight scene in Batman v Superman, where he blows a hole in the floor and everybody freaks out, and all of a sudden he's there and just the guns are exploding and he jumps into the fray and just that whole warehouse scene where Ben Affleck's Batman just is like taking out 20 guys because he's playing on the whole criminals are a cowardly superstitious lot thing. Uh-huh. And then he's just got them going just massively. They're, they're fighting. They're, they're not using any tactics cause he scared the crap out of them, but he still has the full body armor. I mean, he takes the knife in the shoulder The guy's shooting him in the head And it's bouncing off the cowl You know, there are times where You look and it's like Batman should be incapacitated But it's because of that armor he's got The best that money can buy, you know But yeah, that whole fight scene in the warehouse In BBS, yeah, that's Batman using tactics And, you know, the armor just happens to be there To save his bacon, so And he's got, you know, the armored cowl Even, yeah, yeah, where he got stabbed Was in the shoulder Where he's there laying You know, it was the scene It was the part of the scene Where they pulled him down via his cape so he's on his back and he's, you know, kicking one guy, punching another, and the guy gets him in the right shoulder with a knife, that scene. Yeah. And then the best part pulls that knife out and crams it in that guy's shoulder back at that see that that's again more the tactics and just it's like, no, you stab me. No, let me show you how it is to be stabbed in the shoulder. Yeah. But no, your your thing with armor is true. It just the parts where you know they're gonna hit, armor them the most. And armor a leg, okay, they might hit you there. But yeah, ninety percent of the time they're gonna go for the biggest parts and the most um sensitive parts, head and center right. mass. So
0: yeah. So that's uh uh that that's my my, my statement about armor. You know, okay. obviously, you know my, magic armor, um, you know, armor that's made out of force fields, if you got that kind of stuff, sure, use it. Absolutely. You know, but it's... Uh, okay bro- If you, if let you me- don't have that available to you, then and they do give you the ability to specify what armor you have in what places, then go heavy in the middle and light on the arms and the legs.
1: Uh, oh, God. Uh, okay. Um, let me ask you this. In your games, on, depending on the rule system, okay, you know that most archaic armors do diddly squat against modern ammunition. Uh, do you like half their armor efficiency, or are you just not count it at all like it just goes right through, or what? And also, does magic reinforce the armor to where it can take on modern ammunition?
0: Uh, generally, I just go by whatever the, uh, uh, whatever the game system does. Uh, Savage Worlds doesn't really make a big difference between um you know it doesn't take that into a, into effect okay and uh, uh most people it, it gets too complicated uh they just uh they just the best thing to do is say if you're attacked with this kind of, of an attack this is your armor your armor resistance if you're attacked with this kind of an attack then this is it so you know bl- uh ballistic puncture you know that's going to be one kind uh blunt force trauma that's gonna be another kind, and that pretty much covers not and, and then burning maybe yeah. it, it covers you know usually it's that's the only thing that people care about did I get hit with a with a with a club or a claw or a fist, or did someone like you know jab something narrow and sharp at me and you know and, and basically, build their armor depending upon what they're expecting. Okay, but, I was
1: I was just wondering about that because what I I found out and I you know rules that I've read over OGL over the years half the you have the armor bonus. So let's say you have plate mail and I believe plate mail they haven't changed. it It's a plus nine armor bonus. Yeah, have it to four. Now, yeah. if you add when the pl- I deal
0: with uh, uh, like armor piercing, okay, if I then that I will treat the armor as half the armor. If someone uses an armor-piercing shell Okay Or uh, an armor-piercing attack of some kind
1: Well, because um also, let's say you make an armor Let's say you add plus one to that plate mail Which now you have a plus ten armor bonus Now that it's magic, it reinforces it It makes it, I I have it where Yeah, it now you get the full plus ten armor bonus against bullets now Because the magic reinforces that steel to where Because remember, when gunpowder came out, once bullets shredded through most, you know, chain mail, leather mail, you know, hide, all that, it, uh, you know, even a flintlock would still just shred right through most of that armor. Mm -hmm. So gunpowder kind of ended the, you know, armor wasn't used again for
0: centuries. Yeah, no, that's where you got the uh, three musketeers. Yeah. You know, they, they were musketeers. They used muskets. Okay, and they were up against other people that were using muskets against them, and they knew it was pointless to wear all that armor. So they became light, agile fighters that had these guns. But most of the when the guns fired, and it took so long to reload them, then that's when they pulled out the swords and started having at each other with swords. So uh, it it just depended upon your situation. If you were in like, um, you know, uh, set piece battles where you had a line of people on either side of a valley and they were firing at each other then yeah you know you get behind a, a you know a, a thing of dirt and you fire your gun at the other person okay and you don't bother about your you know, the sword only happens if they rush you yeah uh, but uh if you're in a situation where uh someone decides to lay down a whole lot of smoke and nobody knows where anybody is that's when agility matters those yeah. guys in armor they, they, well, they, they actually, they proved on, on in a movie that that they could that pe- people in all kinds of armor could swim, and they can move, climb over normal obstacles, and they may be lumbering, but they still can get a pretty good s- speed up. So they're not these, you know, um, immobile, you know, uh, uh, fortresses that people were always painting them as. Um, now, in, in Bureau 13, I did have one guy who basically went completely bonkers. He said, okay, I'm a mage. Therefore, I can cast fly. And I said, yes, that's, that sounds right. And he says, and um, if I increase the difficulty of the spell, I can, ca- I can carry more weight. And I said, yeah, that makes sense too. And he said, all right then. I want 15 layers of armor, and I'm going to fly everywhere because I know I'll never be able to walk. Ah. And, I'm like, and I'm like, okay, so you're like a bell, <laughs> <laughs> you know? You're, you know, you're, you just basically, you it just goes around you, and it just. And, and you just were lying. And, and, he, and he was, like, going through, like, machine gun fire and people throwing grenades. And he was just sucking it all up. And he was fine as long as he didn't let anything get underneath him, you know, and like, like a ground-based uh, grenade or, or something like that. As long as nobody could throw a grenade under him and he was close to the ground, he was, you know, he just basically ran just ran through all the defenses. I had this whole big thing planned out, and these guys just, just ran right through most of the defenses because they weren't expecting people having 15 layers of armor. And if they got knocked back because of the force of the thing, so what? They just turned around and kept flying. They, they couldn't get knocked down. They're flying. <laughs> so all the things that I was counting on, them getting knocked down, knocked back, um, you know, stunned, all those things like that, none of that happened. They just... They just basically flew through and ate all the defenses and and basically finished the adventure in record time.
1: It's one of those, what's that, a fine line between genius and insanity, yeah.
0: Right. Well, essentially, he he basically made magical, um, uh, what, uh, 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 mech suit. It was basically a mech suit. Okay. Because he also had, like, you know, he also had, like, a launcher. I built it onto the shoulder of it, or like on the front of him, so he could just basically just you know, like a machine gun, so he could just fire it as he flew along. He's basically a one-person airplane, you know. That could hover. <laughs> it's, like, you know, it's like, I'm like, I can't see any flaws in your argument, dude. As long as you got the magic points to pull this off, I don't see any problem. But uh, I just don't think, it, just don't get, just don't get too happy with it. Because I think that you're not going to find all these magic points available to you when you're in your regular day-to-day adventuring, your missions. It's just this one mission where they know that you're going up a really tough opponent, a really hardened location, and the Bureau's able to, you know, bring in enough resources that you can do this. But don't expect it normally. He's like, that's fine. That's fine. If I can do this once, it'll, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be eating off of this meal for, 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 for years, and he did, and I, I think he deserves it, you know. And of course, everybody else was like, oh oh, can I get one of those too? And I'm like, okay, let's start multiple. Let's see how many magic points are available to the yeah, team exactly. now, yeah. Because now we're like, you know, now because he's like, I like, I mean, one thing takes a hundred magic points. Okay, that's like a that's a, usually a mage on a good day. Okay, so how many mages are there to cast this? And you know, and, and Anyways, it was, we, we worked it out. I think they had like three of them that were able to, 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 to get themselves set up. And everybody else had to just put on, like they say, the, the, the heavy armor on the chest and the light armor. And just stay back and let those guys do all the shock and awe ahead of them. And just ru- keep try to keep up. And it worked. It worked fine. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, so speaking of shock and awe, why don't you talk about the um, Screamer Flasher Rod? Unless you don't know what I'm talking about. Well,
1: no, I mean basically it'd be something like a magical version of a flashbang grenade.
0: Ex- well, this is not a magical version. It's actually a, a high-tech version of a of a of a, a, a flashbang grenade.
1: Okay, I, I I saw Rod and I just assumed it was some type of magical
0: thing. Ba- okay. <laughs> Now, yep. this was actually in um, uh, stocking the uh, Steel City supplement by Outpost Games. Okay, all right. And it's it's basically about the length of what you consider rod to be, about three feet long or four foot long. And it has these really, you know, like, um, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of the right term. Uh, well, really, really high intensity sound generators on each end. And all down the length of them, they had quartz. Uh, flashing, high temperature flashing um, uh, areas. So essentially it would produce just this enormously blinding sound and uh, sound and deafening effect uh, and, and, and visual effect. And you wore it with a pair of glasses and an earphone, a, a, you know, a headset or earplugs that were set up so that it didn't do it constantly. It strobed. And because of that, it would then open up basically you'd, the, the, the visor would open up, you'd see in between the flashes, and you'd hear in between the the, 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 b- the bursts of sound. So to you, you didn't hear any of it. It might be a little bit stroby, a little bit hard to see, but for everybody else, they're still dealing with the after effects of the flash and the, and their ears you know deafened by the sound. So they're essentially blind and deafened. And you're moving around as if it's not even happening. Okay, all right. And this ran off of like you know a, 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 a basically the power source was built into it. I figured that you know you could probably you know run off of a. I mean, they they, they you can use science fiction power sources, but even if you just used um, a lot of lithium batteries, okay, or even a, like a big a big huge capacitor inside of it. Uh, it was good for you know I mean a couple minutes and believe me you know if you're in in darkness or semi-darkness you know that can make a heck of a lot of difference you know people just can't even look at you they're like you know if they do they're blinded and they got after effects and there's more than one of you now and and it was uh, it was an amazing effect that I use the rules for deafness and blindness in pretty much any game system I've ever used, and those are devastating, usually to uh, uh, you know uh, to to the opponents that, that that receive them.
1: Oh yeah, in and, it with with a uh, OGL you know Pathfinder, I've had people who are both blind and deafened at the same time, and oh no, the the stacked effects are devastating. It's like yeah. just sit out. <laughs> you're you're not you can't pick up it you can't you know perceive anything sight hearing. You got massive penalties to your armor class and your decks. just yeah. yeah you're not doing anything you, you
0: don't you don't get your decks bonus if you can't see your opponent
1: right and just you're you i think you even have bone uh, penalties on initiative if you're deafened i'd have to, uh, my my core rule book is across the table i can't get to it
0: right well that now. makes sense yeah because but, you can't react if you can't see
1: right or hear. yeah that's what i mean the yeah. hearing i think was the one that gave the minuses to initiative but yeah, um, oh, let's see they've got I know they've got the thunderstones where you throw them against a hard surface and they crack really loud, and I yeah. think they've got like a flash bang a a flash stone equivalent where you throw it and it just like a you know it dazzles everybody within ten feet or whatever. I'd have to look it up, but yeah, there right. are magical and alchemical equivalents for it, and there's the spells, Death yeah and,
0: Death and as blind. the blindness yeah yeah and and those are uh. You know those could be very very effective, and uh, you know it, it's and, and I, I myself play a cleric in in in, in a D and D game, and I I'll tell you I hardly ever use that, and I think I should be I think I should be using it a lot more. Oh yeah, and I think I'm gonna I think I am going to I just kind of forgot about it for a while because I needed those second level spells to cast um, a spiritual weapon. Yeah, because that was very very effective. Oh yes, but when you're up against people that are you yeah. know. Uh, who are fighter types and such, I mean, it makes a huge, and, and, and of course, if, if someone, you know, a lot of spells are line of sight. Yes. If you, can't, if you don't see any more, can't cast. Uh, it also means that people have advantage to hit you because you can't see them to defend yourself against them. And you have disadvantage to attack back because you can't see them or you have these after effects or whatever, you know. So, yeah, Screamer, Flasher, Rod, or its equivalent. Uh, doesn't have to be super high-tech, though, of course, in are 13, it's going to be. Yeah. But I'm just saying is that, you know, it's great in a science fiction game, too, because, you know, you can just toss these things around, and they don't look... They, they're not huge, They they just start... As I say, they're, they're like the explosive, you know, like the splash bag. And, uh, you know, and, but they're, you know, cleaner. <laughs> And, uh, and and because of the fact that um, it's it, I designed this thing to work in a strobing effect. It meant that, that the people that were using it, you know they're holding this device right next to them. You know that is causing all this problem to their opponents and they're not being affected by it. So that's a big big game changer right there.
1: Well, any, any flash, especially let's say you're in the dark and you're dealing with like cops, who have, you know, like SWAT teams that have the night vision goggles, and you all of a sudden put a sudden light in their, in, in their midst, they're done. They're blinded. There's a scene in Person of Interest where Reese is going down through a hotel to try to get a the boss of Crooked Cops. And so the, you know, SWAT team, U.S. Marshals are all there with the, the, the night vision goggles, and he threw one flashbang, a flare, I think, actually, and they were done they couldn't see it all because it not only just it disrupted, it actually blinded them and Reese just walked through them like they were nothing. But yeah, so even just if you're knowing that your opponents have like the night vision goggles, any sudden bright light change that focused like a flare or a flashbang grenade will totally negate those night optics. It'll just shut them down if you're going through like a darkened building or something. So, oh yeah, um, there was another Another, but I can't remember right now. That was the one that came to mind with Reese and Person venerous So, uh, and you're also saying any area effect over a single target is best. I mean, I remember having a, an adventure where somebody rigged up several area effects, and it was in a it was almost it was like, like an ambush. And I'm try, and I think it was um, I forget the spell effect, but it was they had to make like multiple saves because mm-hmm. they got hit with like six of these that they just all happened excuse me all happen to be within it took them out for quite a while because it was just where you're going to fail one of those saves out of the six you're going to fail one of them i mean just it's the luck it's the luck of the roll. i mean you just and if you can sit there and rig up again this all comes down to tactics if you can rig up multiple area effects where they kind of overlap Yeah, after a while, your dice are just not going to work with you after a while. You might, you know, oh, I made the first three, and and that one on the left got me. So, yeah, um, area effect always is good on a single target, if you can stack them even better. Just, I I saw that one after the screamer flasher rod, and it reminded me of them. my gaming group setting up the ring of... uh, and I, for light, it was a while ago. I can't remember what effect it was, but it took out these guys quite well. And the group just came in and took them all out because they were totally incapacitated.
0: So, um, oh, yeah, that's that's why I keep talking about uh, uh, flaming oil because back on first edition, it had a single target. It had a splatter effect. I mean, it it, it had it was effective over two rounds. It was golden. Yes. <laughs> yes. You, there's there was. I mean, there really was no other, no magical weapon or other weapon that could come close to it, uh, uh, with maybe a, the exception of a two-handed sword. If had a double, you know, eighteen double zero strength on it or something, you know. Oh yeah. But I mean, just but your average, you know, run-of-the-mill mage could uh, could really could really do that, you know. And uh, and and when you ran out of your one spell a day. You had something to go turn to, you know, which I think is immensely important, you know, rather than running up to the front line and pulling out your your quarterstaff. Yeah. Getting in the melee, I'm like, what's wrong with you? Well, I couldn't afford more than two daggers. And I'm like, dude, you know, darts. (laughs) Yeah. They're cheaper. They're cheaper. They do a D3 damage, you know. You can throw three of them around instead of two of them around. I mean, come on, you know, but I mean, flaming will is still better, oh yeah, <laughs> all right, so what's next? uh hire
1: defeated enemies, especially while you're still in the dungeon where their expertise makes them the most valuable, you can always fire them afterwards, yes, that takes into account that you are just not laying waste to every single thing in the dungeon if you yeah. can if you can somehow manage well, I mean, there's always a thing leave one alive to tell the tale that you know that thing
0: yeah that thing
1: yeah it, that's w- that's not a good thing well it is if you're the one that's leaving that person alive if you're the if you're on the side where you know you may or may not be the last man standing <laughs> then there's a problem but no um that yeah. it, it, it someone who has who has knowledge of if, if the, you have knowledge of the base and you just saw all of your friends get wiped out because these guys came into the dungeon and took everybody out, if you're the last man standing, yeah, you're going to help them unless you're passively suicidal. I mean, it's like, yeah, I'm going to betray these guys later. No, they just wiped out your entire group. You might want to, you know... What's the old saying? Better be seated at the right hand of the devil. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're assuming that in most of these cases, these people are opportunists. You know, they're, you know, they, this was the best job they could get, and uh, you know, and, and they're they're working, and maybe they're working hard at. It. Maybe they might even have a good work ethic, but you know, but their loyalty is based upon how they're getting paid. Yeah. Unless, of course, you know, you're going up against the holy church of the or of Orkdom, in which case you should expect them not to be willing to do that. But in most cases. You know, just random stuff, or you know, maybe not like you know, right at the home base where they're, they're protecting their their kits and their 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 wives. You know, they're going to be a lot more willing to to deal with you if you show if you're in a position of overwhelming power over them. Uh, and I mean, everybody wants to live, you know. <laughs> it's, it's, so, and you know, and they and they have information that's important. You know, they know how many people are on their side. They know, you know, what the abilities of the high level dudes are. You know, do they know how many spellcasters there are. They know how many, you know, bows and arrows and what they and what kind of bows and arrows they are, you know, or crossbows. And that tells you range. You know, can I stand outside the range of my enemies and fire on them? And then they have to close, you know, in order to. Uh, to do, you know, to to be able to be effective, you know, if I if it gives me one free round of just laying waste into my enemies, hey, it's a it's a good trick, it's a good thing to do, you know, uh, and then, uh, but I mean, you know, but mostly it's like it's, t- it's the tactical information, and secondly is that you know for these guys are cheap, they really are, you know, they they're. You you see their treasure, you go up You kill them, they got like, what You know, three coppers You know, They might have a silver, and if they're like You know, a a squad Leader, they might have a gold in their pocket You have 200 gold pieces worth of equipment On yourself, and that's usually First or second level You know, you're walking around with a Fortune on you, that's why they all want To kill you (laughs) So, um, you're in a Position to say, hey you know, you work with me and uh, not only will I let you live, but I'll give you a good stake and you can grab your, your family and take off for another area where, you know, you won't be considered a, you know, a betrayer of your kin, you know, and and, uh, and live a good life, you know, uh, why not? You know, what, what you know, do you really like you know, the, the other members of your tribe that much, you know? Or show us the way so we don't run into the members of your tribe. Protect them. Protect them from being killed by us because we will kill them if we run into them. So lead us around them. Keep them safe, you know. Let us achieve our objective, you know, and it may be something that they don't even care about. You know, we want to go get this statue that's hidden in a secret room inside this cave over on the top of the thing. We never go up there. Only, you know, that. We don't know what's up there. It, it, you know, only the high priest goes up there. We don't care what's up there. You know, they might be perfectly okay with that. You know, and yes, maybe you steal something that the high priest cares about. But for your rank and file, they they know where the you know where their butter is, you know, that the the high priest is using them as fodder. That's why they're out there. You know, they're they're there. To scream when they get killed, so that everybody else can mass at at, at the party and uh, and hopefully take them down. But again, it's a game, so that means that you're going to end up massacring half the tribe. Let's let's you know they. You, it's not that hard to get that through to them. Yeah. And it's cheap.
1: Yeah, and it, it just as as I said, unless you're going to play. It, unless they're gonna be enemies that are like zealots. Yeah. Yeah, then in that case it's like, okay, we already know this guy's gonna be D- no D- D- the last cobalt. Yeah, yeah. But usually like a tribe of orcs. You no, know, they orcs may be bestial and, you know, gruff, but they still have human intelligence. I mean if you you know, if they see that their entire band got taken out They're going to go on logic nine times out of ten, you know, as rough as that is for an orc. You know, they're human intelligence, but they're not all that bright. They're still rather limited in their thought processes. But if you sit there and let them know, yeah, well, you'll survive. And a little bit of bribery does it. You'll get a decent, you know, we'll let you have some of our rations and yeah, we'll let you sneak out and take your family away you know, go and get, you know, safe you know. yeah, I, I can see where that's as I said, that works if you have the, the 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 tribe as where or the tribe or the gang or the group or whatever that means they're going to be, you know relatively human level intelligence, I mean they may speak like, you know, me attack you, but they're still going to if you give them hope for a way out. It's like yeah, if I help these people again, it's leave one to tell the tale, but at least get some
0: use out of them. Yeah, I mean, treat them as if they're intelligent beings. Yeah. Okay. Because I mean, so often we don't. We just treat them as if they're they're like you know uh, gate you know video game automatons. They're just going to come and attack us until they're dead because yeah. that's how they were programmed. But that's not how it should be, if you're, you know, if you're playing an actual role play game.
1: And you never know; you might end up gaining a new ally in one way or another. He might realize, wait a minute, yeah, these guys killed my friends, but that's because you know they came and fired, but you know they they spared me. And yeah, you might end up with a new NPC person or a new henchman or whatever. You know, it may work I mean, out for you in the
0: long run. Yeah, I, I can't tell you how many times. I mean, first level character you know run into a band of orcs okay well if you know anything about first edition you know that orcs have a much better to hit role than humans do or any of the party first level party members you know you know they might be on par with the best fighter you have okay but they're usually better and so you pick yourself up a couple of orcs for a while because they're they're evil they're probably not going to stick with you but for a while and you basically it's hugely increased your you know your um, power you know the, your, your offensive power and secondly is, is that if you're a mage okay they're, sh- they're a meat wall you can sh- put them right in front of you the rest of the party gets to do whatever they want to do because nobody ever wants to stand and protect the mage uh, or the cleric you know so you throw them up ahead of you as a meat wall you say go fire your crossbows and just stand there and make sure that the opponents are, you know, that, and I'll fire over your shoulder. I'll, like, lob my, my holy water uh, or my, my flaming oil or I'll cast my magic missile or whatever like that, and you just stay right there and protect me, and at the, at the end of the day, there'll be another two, uh, five gold pieces in your pocket. And they're like, you know, we already got one gold piece. That's sound, and he's he was good for that. Probably good for another four, you know, especially... You know, seems to be a rich dude, you know considering all the armor and all the weapons that these people are walking around with all gleaming, gleaming shiny new. <laughs> unlike that piece of uh, that, that piece of, piece of awful uh, shotgun I sold you in uh, the uh, the uh, fallout, fallout game P&P game, yeah. PNP oh, game. Yeah. Yeah. it still worked. It really, I mean, you basically got what you paid for. Yeah. But wow. That was that was a really sad piece. <laughs> oh yeah. It, but I'm just saying is that most of the time everybody's walking around with like you know freshly minted armor and weapons and things like that. So it really should impress the uh, uh, the people you come up against as like, hey, look, yeah, we can get this thing. Like you know, it doesn't even, it even has that new car smell to. <laughs> So yeah, I mean, I I don't know why more people don't do it. I think it's because the GM basically tries to nerf it. Yeah, uh, if they do, and and I think you should call your GM on it if they if your GM does because it's like I'm sorry that I'm making you role play your NPCs, okay? <laughs> but this is a role playing game. Yeah, you need to do it, and uh, yeah.
1: No, you just said that about the new armor. It's like I can imagine the paladin there in plate mail. What are you doing? It's that new armor smell. <laughs> yeah. As you got the helmet down and the visors down, and you're you know all mm-hmm.
0: buckled into it, yeah. Um, yeah, my, yeah. My my. <laughs> instead of giving you that cloth, you know, the, the, your girlfriend should wrap some clothes up in that handkerchief so you can stuff it in certain places. <laughs> To keep the stench down.
1: Well, yeah, let's face it. I mean, if you're in, you know, plate mail all day and you're in the middle of battle, you're not going to be smelling pretty afterwards. That's a lot of smelly, sweaty leather because you don't have the plate mail, just the metal. You've got, like, leather undergarments underneath to to prevent chafing and rubbing and all that. So, yeah, you're still in a leather bodysuit with the plate mail over it. You're going to be stinking by the time everything's done. I mean... Yeah, yeah. If I mean, have,
0: everybody, everybody smells in the medieval society. Well, right. But uh, I mean,
1: if you're not going to be, you know, having soap and all that, you better have a lot of prestidigitation spells ready.
0: Just saying. Uh, yeah, that, that, that made a big difference. That, made, that put the fantasy back in the role playing games. <laughs> now, all of a sudden, the maze goes, Yes, here, you know, let's clean you up a little bit. <laughs> oh. All right. So, uh so yeah. Uh, oh, um, uh, my favorite, and I've I told people to do this in, in interdimensional exploration games. Always claim to be royalty, unless they're having a, a you know a, a a royal uprising going on. Because when you are royalty, people treat you better.
1: Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it stands a reason. They're, what are they going to do? Background research. They have to take you at face value if you walk in. And uh-huh. for, for, like, Fringeworthy, you're coming to worlds that are often less technologically adept than you are. So it's not like, oh, yeah, we're from the valley, you know, we're from, like, three valleys over. Well, a lot of times, a lot of cultures don't have travel that far. So it's like, oh, okay, you're from three mount ranges away. Okay. No, that's good. Yes, we see you have your strange clothing and your strange weapons and devices. Yes, come on over. Yeah. But, more. you know, like... yeah. You know...
0: A lot of royals are immune to prosecution or punishment for minor crimes. Uh, royals many times will always get the best lodging in any place they go to. Uh, royals are hosted by other royals at their estates. Uh, I'm just, you know, it, it's... Uh, people are trained to defer to royals. I mean, if you have a class... Sus- Society, especially if you have a caste society, it, it makes all the difference to be the upper the upper crust. And as you say, if they can't tell that you aren't, then you know it's going to be really important. And this is even more important if you're trying to play any kind of a historically re, um, realistic game, and you have female characters in your party, because we know that women are you know were treated as chattel and second-class citizens through most of history and one of the ways of of getting around that and stopping that from happening is to be royalty uh, if you're a royal the, the the every man is beneath you it needs to answer to you it needs to protect you it needs to whatever you know because you're royal and you're they're not So it's real. I would, I would all, if I was playing a female character, I would always claim to be royalty.
1: Didn't you have a a player in your campaign you told me where they just, they did that and then they just ran
0: with it? Oh, they ran roughshod over everybody (laughs) they ran into. All it took was a couple of getting a couple of the other characters to say, Milady. And oh yes, your grace. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it was like everyone's like, "Okay, then, well." Well, no, you
1: know, I mean, my- even after a while, the fellow members of the party were there with the one female character, and they're like, "Okay, knock it off. We uh, uh, stop." You
0: know. <laughs> yeah, well, because a lot of they, that character was started getting a lot more play than they did. You know, they were, you know, it, it was they they could see the advantage, and they had. And they weren't like saying, "Well, we're all royals." No, they, they they were just letting that one character do it. And all of a sudden, they found that they, yeah, you know, there was only enough uh, uh, extras for that one character, and they started feeling a little bit, you know, a little bit cheated. So yeah, knock it off, you know. Yeah, or, right. Or, you know, or you know, where nobody can see you now. Get off your high horse. Yeah,
1: exactly. that's what I meant. They're like they're. The 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 fellow people in the party are like okay settle down there we're the locals are gone
0: <laughs> yeah drop the, the robes yeah. the rubes have retired yeah. for the night yeah yeah oh yeah absolutely so it's and um, so that that's pretty much it on that it's you know, uh is it's, it's fun it's so much fun to to be royals and and if you watch animes you know especially you can see this as a as a as a trope. Where you know the royals get get away with murder?
1: Oh yeah, Tenchi Moyo. <laughs> Especially the yeah. rich. Tenchi Moyo, Oh, oh yeah. yeah, Princess Akura. Aie- I think Ayaka, Ieika. Aie- it's been a while. Yeah. yeah oh no, Princess
0: Ayaka. And of course, she always called him Lord Tenchi. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's usually I think she did that because she she wanted to to make him to be out of out of the range of the of the slutty cat girl. You know who? Yeah. Uh, you know, who she did who she was competing with. So you you shouldn't even be talking to him. Rioki Yeah. You know, yeah, Ryo Ryoki. Ryoka or or Because yeah. once, one's the one's the ship and one's the girl.
1: The the ship is real Oki. See, it's confusing. The cabot that turned into the starship. Yeah, that yes. I remember.
0: I love that. Oh yeah. I, that's the part my wife loves the best, is the cabot. <laughs> <laughs> Well
1: because I remember Tenchi Universe which was kind of like a reboot. That's the one I saw. Yeah. I didn't see the original Tenchi Moyo, but yeah, I yeah, remember That's uh, the one most people remember. Yeah. I remember yeah, Princess I- Ayaka and the this younger sister. Uh Susumi. Yeah,
0: that's it. No, no, the one I always liked in that. Oh, everybody loves Princess Susumi, but the weird thing about that is is that, you know, in Tenchi Universe, they're, you know, they're supposed to live for like thousands of years, which means that her younger sister is like seven hundred years old. Yeah. And everyone's no. like treating her like well, maybe one day you'll get old enough to have a boyfriend. I'm like, Are you kidding me? Yeah. No, no. <laughs> my
1: my favorite character from that entire canon, Washu. <laughs> oh, of course. Washu.
0: The crazy the crazy uh mad scientist. Yes. You know who who offers to be to be a Dutch wife to Tenshi. Yeah, well Holy cow. Yeah. That was that was that that was a shocking moment. <laughs> this is It's why you need to watch watch anime with subtitles because they 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 or uh, not. I, I I think that was actually in the in the uh, dubbed version and I didn't hear that in the subtitle because she was they were saying so much so fast that they just didn't put it all up there. But that was pretty darn amazing. Yeah, Washu is fun. Washu is is like you know. Well, she's like all the mad Sites. Doc, Doc, uh, Doc Brown. She's basically, you know, a, a female Doc Brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, always, you know, always say, "Oh, yeah, we have a little bit of a problem." <laughs> or no, what, what, why? You know, who Washu
1: kind of reminded me of in a way the Krelvin from FTL.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All those races that are so advanced that uh, they always tell you about things. Re- way too late because yeah. to them it's like well we just have to do a few things and we'll fix it and you're all like what do you mean and they're like well maybe I should be talking to some other people yeah hey look <laughs> I'm looking at your bare wrist hey I gotta go yeah 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 sorry to uh, I forgot your your civilization was was uh you know it, it's like Robin Williams you know and, and mark you know and Mark and Mindy you don't have nuke way yeah right. <laughs> And you have nuclear bombs? Are you crazy? Yeah. Oh. Anyways. Oh, I like, I've like.
1: i always liked this next one. Group telepathy. Can't beat it except for having to listen to folks dying. Yep. Oh, yeah, because you can't intercept telepathy. Radio waves, Wi-Fi, that can all be blocked. If it's pure Psy? Nope. And it's funny, in D20 Future, they actually have a Psycom, and it's just a little... Like, a metal rectangle that attaches to your temple, and they're coated to, like, six in a batch, so you can give them to a squad, and you can transmit surface thoughts to each other with it if you're, like, within, I think, 500 feet. But it's good for, like, small unit tactics to where you don't need to have a telepath there to cast, like, you know, what what's the old spell? Rary's telepathic bond. No, you just attach this little... Rectangle to your temple, you're good to go. As, as long as you're relatively close to each other. But yeah, I never thought of that part about yeah, you're listening to your friend. I never thought of that. I I, I need to bring that up more if I because um Sunday game Josie's character or not Josie's character Amber's character, the water priestess has telepathic bond, and yeah, I need to bring that up because we've had characters die in combat, and of course the water priestess has raised dead. So you know my characters died like, you know, three times in the past, you know, six sessions because I'm I'm the my I play the martial artist. So it's like, yeah, I need to bring that up that yeah, this is what you're hearing is Trevor's dying. Yeah. <laughs> like, ugh. <laughs> I don't want to yeah. die. Yeah. But yeah, the the CsyCons, as I said, they're in D twenty Future Tech actually. But I'm sure that in whatever system you have, you're going to have some type of sci tech device or if it's biotech, it's kind of like a Babelfish type thing that, you know, merges with you. Something along those lines where you can have uninterrupted conversation and it's unhackable. Because yeah, there, there's well, that's
0: a- why you do it.
1: Yeah, there's always a way to beat tech. As I said, either radio waves or, you know, Wi-Fi if you have a, what is it? Like if you have a a, a computer in your brain or you have, let's see, what's the one feet Circuit neurology, where basically you have an, a bio-organic You have like bits of more organic gold in your in in parts of your brain, so it acts like a computer. But it still can be hacked. It can still be nullified. You like generate you become a hotspot and it's a feat in um SciWatch. But yeah, that's still Wi Fi and it can still be hacked. Bluetooth is notoriously hackable, I hear. Yeah.
0: So Oh it is. Yeah. It's only supposed to be used for you know, I mean, you know, like a microphone or, you know
1: or headphones, yeah. My
0: uh, Yeah, stuff like that. It's not supposed to be used as as any kind of computer to computer setup, yeah. because it's just opening up at all for that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, because my warm-up act when he goes downstairs to make his dinner after his show's done, he puts on his um, Bluetooth headphones where he can still listen to me start up my show while he goes downstairs to eat. So yeah, yeah, wildcard. You met him at a continuum. but yeah, uh-huh. he, he's got Bluetooth headphones that he uses. Yeah. But, yeah, as I said, anything tech can be hacked. So, group telepathy is a wonderful thing in D&D Pathfinder. It's telepathic bond. works well. As I said, we use that in our game. It's uh, something that we came up with, Amber and I, called the buff protocol. Where she hits us all with mage armor. She hits us all with telepathic bond. She hits us all with a a spell in Ultimate Magic called Life Bubble. Where, oh, let's say we get teleported in underwater or out in space. Well, we're good for five hours. Pressure, atmosphere, all that stuff. And it's just, like, five or six spells that she and I came up with to help us in combat. If we've got 30 seconds before we know an enemy's coming, okay, buff protocol, hit us up, and just... They're all touch spells, and touch spells, you can sit there, and if it's a touch spell, you can touch up to six people at one time in a round to cast, like, in a group. Telepathic Bond is one of those spells. So, yeah, except for Josie, who's playing the, the empath turned pokemaster Master in our Time Lords and Magic campaign... Because she's kind of got her own team. So the rest of us get telepathic bonds so we can all communicate. Because we know Josie's character is going to do her own thing with all her Pokemon. So, But yeah, I, I I need to bring that up about what is the effect of being in someone's head as they're dying. Star Trek Into Darkness brought that a good point to that when Spock was merging with Pike as he was dying. So yeah, I need to bring that up more in my game now. That That's a good point that you brought up.
0: This is Bruce Sheffer saying... There are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them.
1: And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having
0: fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast.